Ooh, thank you, Lord, right? I'm kind of feeling a little little uh, touched by the Lord here, so I hope you are. If you're not, God have mercy on you and let you feel touched by the Lord, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing better to feel the embrace of someone that you love and that they love you, right? That is the most awesome thing, you know, whether it's a parent or a, or a sibling or your spouse, but even better when you feel the Lord embrace you. And that's, that makes a big difference in our lives, doesn't it? And so I just pray that we'd all um, have those encounters with the Lord, that we would feel His love, we'd feel Him embracing us, because that, that'll make you for have a good day. Amen? And something always happens when the Lord embraces you. You don't, you don't come away from that embrace the way you went into it, right? Uh, you know, you can be mean about it and be stubborn, but... Hey, I just wanted to tell you a few little things here um, that I think are really important. Um, <clears throat> first, I wanted to get Oliver to put this. This is not a message, by the way. I just want to share a few things with you. I want you to put that, that uh, slide up there for me of that church. Um, <clears throat> this was uh, in the Charlotte Observer, their app. And it was a church in uh, um, Kannapolis, Yesterday, uh, that caught on fire. Terrible. Yeah, it's Grace Baptist is the name of the church, and I saw it. It really hit me pretty hard, and I really want us to pray for that church this week, along with while we're praying. Uh, and I want to pray for them right now that the Lord would do a miracle for them because they really are part of our family. Um, they're, and we need to really stand with our. You know, we've gone through some tragedy in our church, you know, our roof falling in and all that stuff. It's terrible uh, to be in that situation. And I just pray that, you know, I'm sure they were scrambling around trying to find a place to meet and trying to deal with, you know, all the losses that they had. Fortunately, it was nobody was there. It was early in the morning. It was a big fire. It must have been a big church. They said it was a three-alarm fire, which I never knew what that meant until three different fire departments had to show up to deal with it. So... Father, thank you this morning that even though um, there's loss in the natural, Lord, you always have a plan. And I, I just pray for this church this morning. I pray for encouragement. I pray for what we were feeling this morning, that they would have amazing hope, amazing hope that would hit them. I pray against this discouragement thing that comes with situations like this, this, this these questions of why... Lord, we, we ask you to, to intervene in the hearts of those people and, and turn this thing into an amazing testif- testimony of your glory, Lord. And we just bless them. Uh, we bless Grace Baptist of Kannapolis, North Carolina. We bless them today. We speak life to them. We, we say live. We say live. We say live. Live and prosper in the name of Jesus. And let let this be a turning point. Let this be an entrance into a wider space of glory and power. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I also want to share this. Uh, unfortunately, their tragedy really spoke to me something. Uh, I say unfortunately, the unfortunate part was the tragedy. 
But I believe that this is a really a prophetic sign from the Lord. And the reason I really believe that is um, in April, 10 years ago, I had the uh, most amazing encounter with the Lord in a public service that I have ever had in my entire... Well, that's not exactly the second most amazing. I had one more that was more amazing, but... It was the most amazing encounter, second most amazing encounter. It was just like I got caught up into the, to the spirit world, and I was seeing things that was incredible. And here's one of the things I saw. I saw this church explode in fire because I was looking from above the church, and all of a sudden I just saw this fire just blow through the ceiling of the church. And it was not a natural fire. It was a spiritual fire. Then I saw a church that I somehow knew that was in Kannapolis explode in fire. And when I put that back up there, Oliver, when I saw that picture, that's what I saw. And I knew that church was in Statesville. Then I saw a map of the United States of America. And I saw churches all over this nation, all of a sudden, these fires pop out on them. And I saw like a fire sweep across our nation of the Spirit of God. A revival or an awakening or I'm not exactly sure, but you know, if it's the fire of God, it's going to be good, right? So I just believe that the Lord really wants to encourage His people that He he really does want to bring a fire. A real Holy Ghost fire, not just, I mean, and I don't know, some people have a hard time with that stuff. God help you, you know, if you do, because that is what we desperately need, is we need God's fire to burn. You know, the Scripture says in Daniel 7 that there is actually a river of fire burning before the Lord. There's a river of fire. It says in Revelation 7 that there's, there's, a, there's seven spirits of God. There's seven, there's seven fires, and they're represented as fires. That's what John saw. He saw, those, he saw those fires in heaven. And so God is going to release those fires onto the earth. Jesus even talked about that fire being released and wanting and desired for it to be released. And so God has a desire to release fire into to our nation. And I believe the nation is the world. Amen? Amen. And so I just was uh, very encouraged in my spirit uh, about what I saw here. And I don't know when this is going to happen, but that vision has never left me. It has, it has burned in my heart for, for 10 years. And I have, believed, I have believed for 10 years for that. I'm continuing to believe for it. I think we're, we're really getting closer. Okay, that's one thing I wanted to tell you. So, can y'all give me a second? I'm trying to decide about something here. I feel conflicted. So, yes, Lord help me. Hey, let me, Marlon, come here and show everybody your shirt. Turn around. I love this shirt. Turn around and show that shirt to everybody. Isn't that nice? It's a lion. Let me tell you about this dream I had a few weeks ago. This was really a, a, a dream from the Lord. In the dream, a man that I could not tell you who he was in the dream at first, but I know who he is, but uh, he came to me and he said, Byron, there's this lion after me. He's chasing me. He's tracking me down. And I said, we've got to get away from him then. So we got in the car and we drove 300 miles <laughs> trying to escape this lion. And we decided to stop at a scenic overview. 
<laughs> like in the mountains. And we were standing out here on this scenic overview and really enjoying the, the beauty of creation. And all of a sudden, this 1970s VW bu- uh, station wagon, uh, what, what do they call those? No, it wasn't a Beetle, it was the van. It was beautiful. I mean, if you've never seen one of those, this one was very heavenly, blue and very creamy white. Come driving up the road, and it had a trailer on the back of it. And this line was standing on that trailer with, it appeared to be a big smile on his face. And I looked at this person, I said, there's no escape in this line. (laughs) Then the dream shifted, and I was laying in my bed. And I opened my eyes, and I looked to my left, and Becky was not there. But there was this line laying there. And I looked at the line, and I popped him in the nose. (laughs) And he opened his eyes, and he looked at me with this mischievous look on his face, and he gently popped me in my nose. And I felt like, this is what I felt like the Lord was telling me. Here's, this is what he showed me. One, that person was me that was running. That was when I got saved back in the 70s. But God thought it was a funny thing. It was a happy thing. And God was telling me that there's a joyful part to him. There's a playful part to him. And he really wants people to know that part of him. And this is how he said, this is how you can come to know the playful part of me. There's a lot of people who fear God in an unrighteous way. In other words, if you, you're afraid that if you mess up, he's going to be, or you, he's going to be displeased with you. He's going to catch you doing something you shouldn't be doing. And that's an unrighteous fear of the Lord. And when we have an unrighteous fear of the Lord, it opens the door in our heart for every other fear to invade our life. So I'm just going to say, if you're suffering from fear this morning in your life, it's because there's something, that, there's an exchange that needs to be made in your life. God wants to, to change, exchange that unrighteous fear for the righteous fear of the Lord. Because there is, a, in that dream, I, when, when I popped that line in his nose, this thought came to me. Oh my gosh, that thing could destroy me. Just, just like that. They say lines, people who have studied lines, they say lines can be sitting around there. They sit around, you know, just sitting around. And then all of a sudden, in a moment time, moment's time, they'll leap on a pre, some prey or something, just in a flash and kill it immediately. They say a lion, if a lion swatted at a man and hit him in the head, it would absolutely crush his skull. You'd have no, no chance to live. So, But there's a righteous fear of the Lord that God wants to release into the earth. A righteous fear. And the Bible tells us uh, there's a spirit of fear, right? That's one of the seven spirits of God. It's, one, it's a spirit of fear. It's in Isaiah 11, there's a spirit of fear. There's these pairs in that, that work together. The spirit of fear and the revelatory knowledge, those two work together. It's when we begin to get a revelation of the Lord, that's where the righteous fear of the Lord comes. Let me say that. When we get a revelation of the Lord, when we begin to know the Lord by revelation, then that righteous fear can begin to work in your life. 
And see, that's what God... And when we have the righteous fear of the Lord, then His perfect love can go to work in your life and, and drive all that, that unhealthy fear out of your life. And so we really should be asking the Lord, one is God is playful. But at the same time, He's very... He's dangerous like any lion would be. He, it's not anything you, you take advantage of. Or, but He really wants to reveal Himself to people. And He wants people to have joy. And he wants people to understand that he's a joyful God. And he's a happy God. And God wants to break heaviness off in people. Okay? Now, here's one of the problems that, that really that I have in my life is, is, is operating from heaviness instead of from, from the heavens. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you start getting heavy, you, that's what you start doing. You start living from heaviness. You start functioning from heaviness and, instead of functioning from the spiritual realm. And everything coming out of you is heaviness. And you have to not give in to being heavy about things. Uh, and a lot of really spiritual people are heavy people. And you're too heavy. Okay, you're just too heavy. You're too heavy about everything. You're too heavy about what's going on in the country. You're too heavy about the politics. You're too heavy about your spiritual gifts. You're too heavy about your money, your ministry, all of that. And see, that is not the mind of the Lord. The last thing we want to have in this church is a day of prayer and fasting where we're just so heavy. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that, no. And, and, and you think the world wants to look at a, a people like, I thought y'all were, you know, God's children. What in the world? I mean, what did God do to y'all? <laughs> did He mess y'all up? You were such a happy person before you met God. <laughs> and after you met Him, you're such a sad person. You see what I'm saying? So I want to really encourage you to embrace God in a new way. And let, let this revelation, the this, this spirit, of, spirit of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of the revelation, revelatory knowledge of the Lord begin to work. And that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He begins to work that into your heart. And then you can operate from a place where you're not, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. You are functioning from that place. Are y'all following this? And I think that's really uh, an important thing. For, for us right now is God really wants to reveal himself like that. And, you know, it's prophetic because the Scripture says uh, when the lion roars, who can but not prophesy? That's what it says in Amos 9. Who can but not? So there's a prophetic mantle that God really wants to release to, release to people that's greater than the prophetic mantle of the past. It's a, it's a new mantle. It's a, it's a higher-level mantle that God wants to bring people into. Amen? Yeah. And so if you're a candidate for that this morning, it's an invitation. What I'm telling you is an invitation. Okay, here's another thing that I feel like is an invitation. Uh, so I started reading. Uh, the. I like to read the Gospels a lot, okay? And so I started reading the Gospel of Mark. And, it, and uh, I'm a Gospel of John guy, right? I mean, you know, the Gospel of John is all about the heart of Jesus, you know, that's the kind of lover kind of gospel, right? I mean, it has a lot of miracles and lots of amazing things, but it, it also sort of reveals Jesus' private thoughts and how he feels. And, you know, I'm sort of into that, actually, uh, pretty big, you know, because I really love the heart of the Lord. I fantasize about, you know, where it says John leaned on Jesus' breast at the table. I kind of fan- I fantasize about that. I'm telling you my fantasies. This is terrible. I fantasize about doing that and just putting my head on the Lord and, and hearing His heart and hearing, 
his feelings. I mean, that really is something that really grabs, grabs my heart. It just grabs me. I, and, and I want that so bad in my life. I want to, to be in rhythm. You know, when you start hearing his heart and your heart starts beating with his heart and they're in rhythm, they're together and your life is in rhythm and you're moving in God with a rhythm with God. Uh, you know, I often tell people, I don't really believe in the work-life balance. You know, y'all have heard that term. I, I don't believe in that. It's impossible to live in a balance, uh, you know, because sometimes life demands a lot of work and you can't do the other stuff in your life. And sometimes it doesn't and you... Do the life thing, you know, do lazy things or do recreation. So I, but see, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a balance there. To me, it's more of a rhythm. It's finding this rhythm with God, finding a rhythm with His heart and, and flowing with that rhythm. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what He said. I only do what the Father does. That's John 5, 19, 20. I only, only do what the Father does. That's, he was talking about a rhythm in his life where he flowed with what God was doing and what God was saying. So I think God really is inv- it's an invitation. I'm, I feel like God is inviting people into that kind of relationship with Him where we really desire to put our heads to His heart. Not to His head, okay? Not to His head, okay? If you can get His heart, you can get His theology. You can get His doctrine, you can get his understanding, but if you just get his doctrine and, under, and, and theology without getting his heart, then you've missed it. You've missed everything. It, you, you, what you have, you've, you've allowed yourself to become like a Pharisee. And guess who was not at Jesus' birth? Of all the people who should have been there, there was magicians, right? I'm thinking about Christmas. Magicians, that's what Magi means. It means magician. They were magicians. They were Harry Potter kind of people. (laughs) They show up at at Jesus, well, not actually at the birth, but two years old. Okay? Who else shows up? Uh, Shepherds who, this is interesting. I'm telling you some of my secrets from Christmas Bible study. Shepherds were rejects in society. Of that time, they were not included because they were unclean. So they were kind of, they showed up, right? They showed up. But the people who should have shown up, who knew, and these magicians were f- trying to, f- I don't know why I'm telling you all this. These magicians were trying to find out, you know, from Herod and, and, and the people who knew, where's this Savior going to be born. And they said, well, it's Bethlehem. And they get up and leave and everybody else just sits there. Everybody else just sat there. The Pharisees, that's why I'm saying, if you don't get his heart first, you can have all the understanding in the world. They had the understanding. They knew. But they didn't even, it, it didn't move them. Your heart is what moves you. It's what's in your heart. It's what's in his heart. And when you connect with his heart, it moves you. Anyways, I've said all that. I didn't mean to say all that, but I, I'm going to go back to the Gospel of Mark. Marlon, I want you to stand right there. Don't you move. <laughs> you can suffer with me. <laughs> I'm leaning, though. He's not getting a lean. He's in a standstill. That's so they say don't lock your knees in weddings because people have passed out. I've never done it. You know, I keep my knees always. But all right. Gospel of Mark. Hey, let me. I wrote something down about the gospel, Mark. I wanted to share. Are y'all okay? Yeah. I'm going to just tell you this. I think this is important. I really do. Gospel of Mark. 
if I can find it. I wrote it down somewhere. I know I did. I did. I promise you I did. It's really something good, too. Oh, here it is. The gospel of Mark is primary, primarily the gospel of action. Because that was what was striking me in Mark. Mark wasn't talking about, well, there was a virgin and, and, and this angel visitor on this day. And, and there was this lady named Elizabeth. She'd been barren. For, they don't tell you none of that stuff. They just rush through stuff. I mean, they tell you stuff in Mark that's crazy. They move through years of, 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 of stuff that Jesus did, just one right after the other. You would think that, you know, it was like accelerated. It's a, it's a gospel of action. That's what it is because Mark was addressing the Christians in Rome and the Roman people. And Roman people were well known as people of action. They were not these, these uh, uh, Gospel of John contemplative crowd. Okay? That's not how they thought. They thought, oh, Jesus, what did he do? That's what they wanted to know. They didn't want to know about all this other stuff like Matthew had to share because he was talking to Jews. He had to really convince people that Jesus was legitimate from a Jewish perspective to be the Messiah. He had to explain all that. It's, that's all that's very needed. It's beautiful. It really is speakful. But Mark does something else. Mark speaks a lot about Jesus' actions, his miracles, okay, and less about what he was thinking and less about his actual teachings. He, they have some of all that in there, but it was more of that. In fact, I was reading this one commentary, and they said that the main words in this was, uh, it was a Greek ad, adverb meaning immediately or straight away. Uh, in other words, immediately Jesus did this, and straight away Jesus did that. And, and so that was all in the book. It's, so I was reading this, and I was thinking, that, and God was speaking to me. I think I said that maybe a couple weeks ago, but y'all weren't here. I think I said it last week when I was over here preaching and nobody showed up. But we told you not to, but I came over here and preached anyway. Becky led worship. In our imagination. Anyways, this is what the Lord told me. He told me this. He said to me, it's time for action. Now, I said, that's what the Lord told me. But I think it's an invitation to everybody. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But I think we're in a different season right now. Okay? And I think that we've been through a time where it wasn't necessarily, action was not the emphasis. Something else was the emphasis. But now I feel that God is emphasizing that God wants to do some things. Now, that doesn't mean that God wasn't doing anything before. I, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there was more of an emphasis. And I believe that we're in a time where God is wanting to do some stuff. Okay? And he's, it's an invitation to people, you know, to, to join Him in action. And it'll be a little different for everybody in this room. Okay? And like I say, I, I want to keep going about this. That's not the natural me. The natural me is the more the contemplative me. That's what, I, what I've... That, but I feel this thing in me now where that was really just speaking at me and just hitting me. And I felt like God was trying to draw me in to the heart of the, of the gospel of Mark. And, you know, this, that God, each gospel is represented by something. And, and God, uh, you know, the gospel of Matthew is represented by a line. 
the Gospel of Mark is represented by an oxen. And oxen are very powerful animals, and they are used to accomplish in that era work to get things done. And then Luke was, is, uh, and this is great, uh, Luke is represented by a man. And if you, read the, if you read the Gospel of Luke, he's really into the man side of Jesus, the human side. And the human detail in there is incredible in the Gospel of Luke. He really gets into people's lives and, and talks about them. And that's why it's, it's the man. And, of course, John is the eagle because he's up into the spirit realm. He's into the heart of Christ. So when you read the Gospels, this is a little extra. When you read the Gospels, think about them like that. And you'll get a lot more out of them. It's amazing when you start looking at them like that and thinking, oh, this is what they were trying to do. Mark's trying to get us to see the miracles and the power and the works of God and how, how God was in Christ was, was acting. And he's calling people to action. Like the book of Acts calls us to action. So I think we're in a time where God is saying he wants to bring like a book of Acts to the church where we're going to be acting. And, and that doesn't mean we're not going to be contemplating but, and, and getting caught up into the Spirit, but there's action that God wants to bring forth. And He's already doing it. He's already doing. God is shifting things and doing things in our nation, even in the natural. And He's trying to get our attention to say, I'm already doing it in the natural. Join me in the Spirit with this. Are y'all following that? Okay. Now... I want to read this scripture to you. This is really going down the twos for my message, but I really wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to because Marlon's up here. <laughs> Here's a confession. I want to confess this. And I, I really hated to confess this. I told Becky about it the other day. Um, and she, she didn't really give me a very good response, to tell you the truth. I mean... Um, and then I decided I would try that on, uh, I was talking to Andy and Amy Squires. They came to drop by the house yesterday and we were chit-chatting with them. I thought, well, I just think I'll try that on, out on them, you know, because they ain't been around me a bunch lately. And so I, I tried it out on them and I don't think they gave me a good response. They just sort of looked at me like, huh? You know? So I'm going to try this out on you. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll go better with you. But this is really the truth. I have been, and you can use both words interchangeably, uh, the word wilderness, the word valley, for five years, for the last five years of my life. I feel like I've been in some type of wilderness slash valley of my life. And that doesn't mean every day of my life or every week of my life was bad. It wasn't. There was many days of sunshine and blessing, but the truth is this. I was in a valley in my life. You know, the Bible talks about the valley of the shadow of death. That's what Psalm 23, I'll, I'll, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me. The Lord's with me. The Lord's been with me. You know, and it's going through. Uh, but I woke up one morning recently, and I felt a happiness that I haven't felt for a long time. Yeah, that is good. Whoever said that? <laughs> Larry. 
and this, and I realized that moment, it was like I stepped out of that place I was in. Okay? It was like something, I came out of this place that I'd been in for five years. I know it was five years. I could, now I can go back and understand when, when I walked into it. And I didn't, I wasn't even conscious. I knew I was going through some bad stuff all the time and lots of difficulties, but I didn't realize I personally was in that. And um, I feel like this, an invitation from the Lord also is for people that are, have been in, in long-term wildernesses and valleys in their life, yeah. is that God is going to bring you out. God's going to see God brought me out. I couldn't bring myself out. I didn't even realize what was happening to me. I just knew that this was, and I battled this thought well, this is the way it's going to be from now on. I don't, and I was thinking it can't be this way. That's, that's not biblical. It's not biblical to stay in this place. It's not biblical to stay in a valley. It's not biblical to stay in a wilderness. It is biblical for people living in the promised land. To go into the wilderness. There's wildernesses in promised land. Read, read all through the Psalms. Psalm 23. They were, he was talking about a valley in the promised land. Christians are dumb when they think not bad things are going to happen to them. Don't be so naive and foolish. Okay? But it was, don't be so naive and foolish also to expect that your life is going to be one continual valley. Or one continued wilderness. And that you're, it's just not so. It's not so. And God wants to awaken us to that. He wants to awaken you and I that He has not ordained your life to be there always. He's, there, there are moments for you. There's seasons for you. There's times for you to do that. But there's also times where God is calling you out. The problem is, is a lot of people will buy a piece of property in the valley or buy property in the wilderness and build a house and settle down there. Because they become disappointed and disillusioned. And they quit going on. They, get, they let go of, I walk through. They quit. They don't believe they lose the thing that we spoke about this morning in the worship. About the hope that there's a light down there somewhere. And God has promised me that light. Because Jesus said that He came to give us that kind of life. Which does not exclude difficulties. It does not exclude dark, dark days in our life. He did not promise there wouldn't be those. But He did promise an abundance. He promised us a victory. A life of victory. That's what Jesus promised us. And He's calling people. He's inviting people. He's inviting the church. I think the body of Christ, I think most churches have walked through valleys for the past few years. Most, most people have, if they want to be real honest. Well, this scripture, uh, Malachi 4.2, this is what it says. But do you who fear my name, this is beautiful, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow like fat, like stall-fed calves. If you was, most of you don't want to get fat like a calf. <laughs> Right? But back in Israel, a stall-fed calf was one of the most... Only the wealthy had stall-fed calves. Only wealthy people, they were the best of... And that's how God looks at us. He's wealthy and He wants us to prosper. That's a sign of prosperity. 
and a sign of blessing and a sign of encouragement from God that we'd go out. Because why? The sun of righteousness is rising with healing in his wings. That he wants to cover people. He wants to draw people to himself and cover them and heal them so they can go out from that place in a prosperous way. Isn't that powerful? And I feel like that scripture really is happening. That's what I felt in my life. I felt like there was this invisible sun starting to rise. I suddenly felt like this invisible light I walked into. Suddenly things, and, and it was all internal. Nothing was changing around me. It was my heart attitude, my feelings that can be quite fickle, right? We can't trust our feelings. That's why I debated about this because I thought, well, I hate to say this and then tomorrow I'm in the depths of depression. But I can't help but saying it because I feel like God's heart is pulling on that. And He's trying to pull you and I into this place of of the light of getting out of the place where you've been. And pulling you into a new place, into a new season, into a new time. I feel like that's what the heart of God is trying to do. And we could have 10,000 reasons in this room why it can't be or why it shouldn't be or why you don't want to do it. But none of those matter. And none of those are legitimate. It's what Rhonda said. What's legitimate is God's Word. And there's this other scripture I wanted to read. Oh, this is beautiful. Um... Song of Solomon 8, verse 5. It says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness? And that, who is this coming up from the wilderness? Oh, this is where it gets really good. Leaning upon her beloved. Leaning. It goes back to that heartbeat thing. You're leaning on something. You went in one way. You came out another way. You went in thinking something. Thinking something about yourself, thinking something about what God was doing, you came out a whole different way than you went in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody who's ever been through the wilderness and come out, they go in one way, come out the other. You know, this is something that happened to Jesus. You know, after he was baptized, the and he got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on him, and the tag on it, the Bible says, and I hate that. I really just wish it wouldn't have said that. It says the Spirit led him or literally drove him into the wilderness. I mean, he had the most greatest encounter ever, and now he's in the wilderness. Is that perplexing? Now, I just want to say something. That's what happens to a lot of Christians. God moves powerfully in your life. You have this time of refreshing. You have this time of renewal. You have this time of revival. You have this time of downloads from heaven. All this stuff is happening. You, all of a sudden, your plans are really looking good. Your future is really... God is going to really do some good things with you in any area. It could be in your family. It could be in your ministry. It could be on your, your job, your business. All of a sudden, you've got all these things that's going to happen. You've got this wealth because God has, has put His breath on you and everything is good right do y'all know what i'm talking about has anybody ever been there because if you've got to get there if you've never been there but here's the sad thing the spirit drove jesus into the wilderness to be tried and tested by the devil 
But then it's interesting because in Luke's version, it says Jesus came out full of power. He went in full of the Holy Ghost. He came out full of power. Something happened. There was this breakthrough that happened. There was this thing that happened with Jesus. With Jesus, something happened. It didn't need to happen with Jesus. He did it for us. He did it for you and I. He did it for all these people sitting in this room this morning who's been touched by God and has encountered God and have been blessed. But then you were perplexed because you found yourself in a, in a valley. You found yourself in a wilderness. That explains it. I know that you got to be ready to hear that, though. You could tell that to somebody who ain't ready to hear it, and it ain't going, it's not sinking. I'm telling you, it's not sinking. You could tell them a million times. It wouldn't help them. But, boy, if you're ready, if you're ready, if you're really ready, if you really hear it, if you're really ready to walk out, if God is saying, it's time to come out of there, if you're that, it'll speak to your heart. It'll speak to you. It goes on and says this. I want to finish that verse. Where is it? Um, anyways, I awakened. That's the next thing it says. I awakened you. I awakened you under the apple tree. See, that's what happens from people who've been in a place, been in a wilderness. When they're coming out, the apple tree, the apple blossoms, always in the Bible represents the breath of God. God breathing on you suddenly in a fresh way. And it causes this awakening to happen in your spirit. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's this faith that rises. All of a sudden there's this hope. All of a sudden things are different. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing verse? Isn't that a beautiful way of saying it? You got your wilderness. You got your time of testing. And you come out and there's this breath that comes on you from heaven. That awakens you. And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the things that you struggle with, the things that you battled, are gone. And you feel this restoration coming into you. You feel, you feel like things that you lost, all of a sudden, they're coming back to you, but they're better. They're, they've been in, in the fire. They've been burned. They've been tempered. They're stronger. They're more powerful. Are y'all following this? I'll tell you this. This is the thing. This is the thing that got me uh, when I was in my, my valley. And I knew this. I knew this. There was this great war in my life. Okay? For confidence. A great war. I felt like my conscious confidence was being chipped away every day. Every day. Every day it was just being chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. That's the way it felt to me. And I realized one day, you know, the devil, if he can get my confidence, he's got me. I'm done. I realize that. If my confidence is gone, if I don't have confidence in God, if I don't have confidence in the things that God has revealed to me and the things that God's shown me, the revelations, the things that God said about me and who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, my, if I don't have confidence and if I lose that confidence, I'm doomed, I'm finished. 
You, you know what? Uh, there's not a professional athlete in the world that doesn't walk out in that field without confidence. Because if they do, they get just slaughtered out there. They've got to have confidence to do what they're doing. A surgeon has to have confidence in his skills to be able to really perform and do what he needs to do to, to save people and help people. And the devil has stolen people's confidence. We sang it. Let's get it back. I was thinking some people get, need to get their confidence in the Lord back. They need to get their confidence in about what God has said about them, about their purpose and about their dreams. To get those things back from the devil and begin to become that person again. I mean, I, I'm, I, you just question everything in that place. You, you wonder, was this really real? It felt so real, but it doesn't feel real. In fact, it feels like I'm losing it. And it feels like it doesn't matter. That's the way it all felt to me. Every revelation that God had ever given me at that moment, in those moments, it, it, felt, it felt like it didn't matter. And it, but it did matter. That was a lie. That was a lie of the, of the wilderness. You, what you have doesn't matter. You don't matter. That's what the devil's telling people. You don't matter. You're a failure. It's your fault. That's what he tells us in those places. That's why, I'll tell you this, that's why this. God allows that in your life because... Because if there's any, and there is any in all of us, there's, if there's any self-confidence, I'm talking about self from the flesh, not God-confidence. I'm talking about God's confidence. Just make sure we get that straight. You know, Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. Neither should you. If he didn't, we sure shouldn't. <laughs> that sort of settles that question. We have no confidence in the flesh. But we have a lot of confidence in God and God's word and God's promises and God's dreams for your life. We can have a lot of confidence in that. But none of that works without our cooperation. Do you understand that? Because you're talking yourself out of it if you're not cooperating. You're talking your, and your words have power in the spirit realm. And so when you're loss of confidence and you're speaking all these things in your bad place, you're talking yourself out of the very thing that God has for you. And it's not God's fault. It's, it's us because God has given us authority in our words. Are y'all okay? Anyways. Yeah. Amen. I'm glad I'm doing it now. I didn't feel good about it at first. <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> Have confidence. <laughs> so here's what I think. I think a lot of people, if we can come through this, the invitation. Okay. You know, Larry Randolph, I was talking to him last year. And he said, no, I'm, I'm just done with this word for 2017 or 2000, whatever, 2000. I'm done with it. Go back and study all this. It never ever comes true. I thought, well, man, Larry Randolph saying that, I think I need to rethink my thoughts about that. But I do think there's an invitation. There's an invitation. And I do think when, a, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, full of the power, guess what happened? Up to that point, listen, just get this straight. Up to that point in the Gospels, Jesus had never did any miracle He had never 
preached any word. Never. But when he came out, the Bible says he immediately began to preach in a certain place and began to heal people and cast devils out of people. Immediately it says he did it. It's necessary. It's necessary. Really all this is for us. I can't explain to you why it may take longer for some of us than others. I will admit five years seems to be a little bit ridiculous. I mean, you know, but I'll tell you something, that's just been the way my whole Christian life has been. Everything's been like, oh, you can learn the hard way. You know, okay, you're going to learn the hard way. Instead of it taking 30 days, it's going to take 90 days. Most people get this in 30. You're getting it 90 because you're stubborn and you're bullheaded and you have too many questions that you want to explain everything. You want to know everything down to the detail. And that's the way I am. Like, I got the engineer mind. I want to understand how all this works, and then I'm in. You know, I'm in, but I want to know some stuff. Like, no. (laughs) And a lot of us are like that. But I do believe God is inviting people out of where you've been into a new place with new anointing, new authority, new power to do what God has called you to do. And He's inviting you to come on. He's, there's an invitation from Jesus to do that. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to read this thing because I think this is important. Uh, after I came to the end of the Gospel of Mark, it's, I'm going to read there the Great Commission in the Gospel of Mark, okay? It's, it's Mark 16, uh, 15 through 17. And he said, this is Jesus, he said to them, and listen, I would read verse, the other verse beforehand. You know what Jesus was doing? Right before he said this, he was admonishing the disciples because of their unbelief. He was giving them a, like, a fussing at. Like, y'all ain't believing, you know, what in the world's wrong with you? And then immediately, so here's the, here's the cool thing, because I have this, like, oh God, I didn't do this good. Oh, Lord, I have failed so much. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Lord, I have just made a mess of things. I didn't graduate. I failed again. You know, I'm going to have to go back to the ninth grade one more time, I guess. I mean, I just can't seem to get any of this right. I make too many mistakes. I get too mad. I fuss about it. I complain. I whine. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of other people. I, I'm, I, I, I drag the people who are successful down because I'm all messed up, and I'm somehow thinking that's going to make me feel good. Anybody here do that? Right? And that the human thing. They're being successful and you're finding fault with them. <laughs> and why are you finding fault with them? Because they're being successful and you're not. And you feel bad about you. So somehow you feel like you can drag them down. <laughs> You'll feel better. It doesn't work. <laughs> so I feel like I've done all those things and I'm not graduating. But that was the way it was with the disciples. They went through all this. They saw all this. They got the Holy Spirit breathed on them. They saw Jesus alive from the dead. They, it was one miracle after another. And then they still had, were struggling. And then what does he do? All right, y'all shouldn't be in unbelief. Come on, get with it. And then he gives them this great commission. He doesn't disqualify them. I don't care who you are this morning. God has not disqualified you. You have not failed in God's eyes. 
You may have failed in your eyes. You may have failed in your friends and family's life. You may have made a mess of things. You have maybe a complete failure. But in God's eyes, He loves you. You're a child. And He says, no. He's like the teacher that said, that boy didn't pass one test, but I'm going to pass him. That's what I was always hoping for. God, give me an A, would you? Get me out of here. God has not failed you. Even if you think you have failed God and disappointed God, He's saying, no. No. He's saying, no, I'm going to graduate you out of that place. And I will help clean up the mess. I'll help clean your mess up. Just here, here, this is all He wants you to do. This is really all He asks. By the truth. In other words, don't blame so-and-so. Don't blame your mama. Don't blame your daddy. Don't blame, well, the church over there. Don't blame the boss man. By, you know what, I messed up, Lord. I own it. I'm at fault. It ain't the way my family raised me. I used to blame my family for years. I've told you all this many times. I got a little added to it. I'm going to be done in a second, I promise. Because I know y'all looking tired on me. Couple of you going to sleep, but that's okay. Here's what it is. One day I was driving down the road and I was complaining about the way I was raised and the way I had to live as a boy and all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, When are you going to start blaming your family and the way you were raised and take responsibility? And I said, Right now. <laughs> I was smart that moment, right now. And I began a process of seeing things differently. And this morning, I can promise you this. I was standing outside without a shirt on and no shoes on. And I started thinking about my mama and like what she would do if she saw me as a little boy. Like, what is wrong with you? You're going to get pneumonia? Get in here! (laughs) That's the way my mama was. She'd yell at you. I started remembering that. And this thought came to me. Man, I had an awesome childhood. It wasn't just I was no longer blaming it. I was seeing God in my past and seeing how God blessed me and, and allowed me to be the ra- raised the way I was raised. And that's, that made a difference for me. And I think that's where God wants to take all of us. Oh, I could tell you a lot of bad things about me, my parents, you know, and about how they did everything bad. But the truth is none of that matters no more. None of that matters. You see, God has redeemed everything. And at the end of the day, God is my Father. Because they're gone now. They're in heaven. He's the only Father I got left here. So I'm going to read this. And I pray that you could come to that. Or if it's your ex-spouse or your ex-boss or your ex-pastor, whoever it is in your life that has wounded you and hurt you and disappointed you and let you down or betrayed you, God wants to, God wants to blame to go. He wants the blame to go. All he wants us to do is own our faults, own what we've done wrong. And when you do that, God jumps in there. He's suddenly allowed to to go in and clean up life for you and heal your life and, and renew your life and restore you and build you up to be the person he's called you to be. But this is Mark 16, 15 through 17. I said a lot, didn't I? Mercy. (laughs) And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. We're creatures. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, that's just what the Bible says. I mean, that's, there's no way around it. And that's why it's such an urgent call that we have, and an urgent commission, because we do not want any person to be condemned. We want them to be saved, which means wholeness. It means deliverance. It means healing. That's what we want. But that's what God wants. That's why He came into the world. And He began to do that. And He's transferring this authority to us. And these signs will follow. This is what I love about old Mark. See, he was an action guy. He, he's not just talking about teaching here. He's talking about some signs and wonders. See, that's a little difference there. They're both legitimate. They're both right. Or all three, all four. It's actually in every gospel. This great commission reset in different ways. These signs will follow those who believe in my name, and his name is what? We sang it, hope and love. That's what his name is. That song's really right on. It's really, really the Bible. Hope and love. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Serpents. I'm not messing with no serpents. I don't know about you, but but you know what? If you had to, you would. Because at that moment, the confidence of God would come on you. I promise you, there ain't a man or a woman in this room. If they're baby babies or grandbabies, there was a snake coming out, and their only thing they could do is grab that snake by the tail, they'd be grabbing it. Uh-huh. You would. I promise you would. You might think stupidly, like, what the world I just do? But to save that child, you'd do what you had to do. They will take up servants, and they drink anything deadly, meaning bad food or bad water or anything else. It will by no, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I read that when I got through going through this, and I heard the Lord say this to me, recommissioned to the gospel. God wants to do a recommissioning. That's our call. That's why I put that in that prayer thing, is I want that, what I just read to you, to become mine and yours reality. That we're recommissioned to this. That's what God's saying. I'm recommissioning you to this. However that looks in your life. But that's our commission. That's our assignment. That's what God says. That's, this is what I want. You want to know what the will of God is? It's right there. And then all the other details of your life, like, you know, what, where am I going to live? You know, all that. God will work, help you work out details. Because your details are different from my details. But this is every one of ours. Every, there's not a person in this room this doesn't belong to. This is yours. This is mine. This is what God wants us to do. This is what he's calling us, and he wants to recommission us this morning to the gospel. It's just, like I say, it's just time to move forward now. It's time, uh, action. What's the action? Well, that, that has to be the heart of it. That has to be what the action is, because that's the commission. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. If you want. To be recommissioned this morning. Y'all already been commissioned, whether you know or not. Like, duh, I didn't, you know, we've all been commissioned. If you're saved, if you want to be recommissioned, if you want this to become 
something for you in a fresh way, in a new way, please stand up and let me pray for you. And please understand this. I'm praying for you and with you because it's just, you know. So I just want to pray. Father, uh, we believe that your word, as Rhonda clearly said, is all that counts. Your word is what stands forever, Lord. And you have, you have commissioned You've commissioned us. You've given us authority. All that that we've gone through is to bring us to a place where we can make these verses more of a reality in our life. And so I pray for every person in this room. I just pray, Lord, for the commissioning of Jesus to come on them. That we would be those people who would go into this world we live in and preach the gospel Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, if we're using words, awesome. If we're just bringing the Holy Ghost into a place secretly and powerfully, however you call us to do it, Lord, I pray today. We're saying, everybody say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive your commission. I want the great commission to be my reality, to be my truth. So use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Now take your hands and make them like little cups in front of you. Like, you know, like this. This is Just bear with me. Now I want you to think about everything that you have. I mean everything. I want you to think about your money. I want you to think about your career. I want you to think about your future that you feel like you have. I want you to think about your calling. I want you to think about your ministry. And I want you to just think this way. Now put, every, put all that in this little cup. Put it all in there. Put it all in there, every bit of it. Your family, your time. Just put all of it in there. Now take this little cup and hold it up to the Lord. This is important. Hold this little cup to the Lord and say, Lord, here it is. You've given it to me. Now use it, Lord. I present it to you like that little boy that day with the five loaves and two fishes. I present it to you. Now take this. Bless it, Lord. Break it open. And multiply it, Lord. Take my little thing I have. Take this little person that I am. And make me something great and awesome in your kingdom. That I can present the gospel. I can bring many sons to glory. And I can glorify your name on the earth. I say, use me, Lord. Thank you, Lord.